Well, it's kind of when you get to read in these verses right here, everybody looks out, the wife looks at the husbands, and the husband looks at the wives, and people look across the aisles and the hallways, but it's going to be a little bit different. We're going to touch on that just a little bit. I'm not going to take these verses out of context, but let me give you a little bit of introduction first. Uh, this is the Apostle Peter, of course, and these men, as they uh, carried on after Jesus ascended up into heaven, there was, a, I want you to think about these men, that there was a lot that they knew. There was a lot that they were aware of. There's nothing like learning things in the process of living your life and doing what God wants you to do. It, it comes like second nature. You don't have to think about it. It's almost reflexive, you know, uh, and, and as these men were as, 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 as apostles. And, and the Bible says here uh, we can learn that they followed Christ for three and a half years. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 2, it says, until the day he was taken up. And after that, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. These men had been in ministry for over 30 years after Jesus ascended. Much more than 30 years, actually, but we can say that for sure. There's much, if you'll think about it as a child of God tonight, if you're saved, there's much that we don't know fully, like these men know. Who we are in Christ Jesus, if you will. We learn about praying, we learn about salvation, of course, we learn about the Holy Spirit, and we learn a whole lot of things, but we don't know it like they know it. And the ministries that they had. There's an illustration I heard an old preacher make about some tourists that were traveling through Africa, and they happened upon some boys that were playing what looked like to be marbles. And as they got closer to them, they were playing marbles with diamonds. And way back during that time, you know, Africa is noted for diamonds, and, and I guess these boys had picked them up. And so you and I tonight, as you think about that, is, is, is what God did for us when he saved us. And boy, you just, you, you just don't get it all, and you don't get it every day. You get it over a process of time, and it's something that we got to work at. So as we think about the boys playing marbles with diamonds, I want you to think about what we have in Christ Jesus, who we are, and what God put in us when he saved us. And so as we think about this, uh, and we think about these men, we think about ourselves today, and we think about God, we obviously know that God is the same. God is the same God that, that performed all these things, that worked through these great men and, and worked through all, all of us at all times. But as we think about this, God being the same, but our daily experience is far from their daily experience. I don't want to go as far as say humdrum, but I guess we could say that. And so as we think about that, give you a quick illustration about flying a jet airplane. I've never flown an airplane, let alone a jet airplane. I've seen up in the cockpits of some of them. Our brother Jeremiah's younger brother, my youngest child, works on airplanes over in Monroe, Louisiana, and he's good at it. But if you think about flying a jet airplane, very complicated thing to do. And there's a difference in flying a jet airplane than reading about flying a jet airplane. There's a difference in the lives that these men led and what God put inside of them and I know they were special because they were apostles, but Peter himself, when he healed the man uh, there on the steps of the temple, he said it wasn't us, it was Jesus. It was God working through them. Now, God wants to do that through you and I today. And I believe, as the old preacher gave the comment about the tourists looking at the boys playing marbles with diamonds, I feel like at times that's what I'm doing. 
When I read the Bible and I read about these men and I read about what the Bible says, and if you'll just take it at face value that God put something inside of every one of us as a child of God, that we can be in touch with God like these men have been in touch with God, and we can accomplish great things for God. And at the same time, we can grow into what God wants us to grow into. So as we think about that this, this, uh, this evening, I want you to look back to verse 4. And verse 4, again, we've got the plan for the home, and there's some wonderful things in here. But I want you to look at verse 4. It says, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible. I want to preach out of that tonight. And I want to preach on this thought of living in the power of God in us. Living in the power of God in us. And I'll be as brief as I can, but I asked God to help me tonight before I got here. Because this is some great stuff. Not because I'm here, because God's here. And I believe with all my heart that uh, as the old preachers of long ago that had the great campaigns that would get up an auditorium of 50,000 people without the help of a, with a, a microphone or anything else, their voice would go out. And people would get saved because of the Holy Spirit of God in these men and the Holy Spirit of God of other Christians that came would work up and down the aisles in people. And the Holy Spirit of God is simply the power of God. And when we get saved, we got the down payment of that. So let's remember those boys playing marbles with diamonds and realize what God has given us. So there's the thought for tonight, living in the power of God in us. I want you to notice first as we look at this passage, we think about it, lay a little bit of foundation, that the hidden man of the heart, that's who we are in Christ Jesus inside of everybody that's born again, that new creature inside of us. And Peter is, is teaching here, and he's talking about you be what God wants you to be. Of course, talking to the wives, and the husbands got their share in here too. You be what God wants you to be from the foundation inside of you which was born again by God, by the power of God. So first off here tonight, understand that this hidden man of the heart, he is born again into existence by the power of God. I love the Bible, don't you? I don't get up to preach if I don't have verses to back up everything that I believe that I'm preaching at the time. And so in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, it says this. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We've been given a second chance. We've been born again, not of the flesh, but in the spirit. Verse 23 in chapter 1 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Born into existence by the power of God, by the word of God, by the Holy Spirit of God working inside of us. And it says of incorruptible, incorruptible seed. Now, I don't know about you tonight, but there's a lot of things that's very precious in science. A lot of things that's very precious in medicine. And, and doctors go to a great extent to keep things pure and, and wipe everything down with alcohol and the mass that people and all this stuff because to keep it pure. I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing more pure than God. And the Bible says that when we got saved, if you're saved here tonight, that some of God was deposited inside of you and I and our spirit, and we're born again. 
And we, and we have eternal life, not eternal death. So the foundation we look at here is that we're born into existence as a child of God by the power of God. Verse 4 again says, let it be the hidden man of the heart which is not corruptible. I want you to think about that not corruptible. We got a flesh that's corruptible. We got a flesh that uh, when we die, and when the spirit leaves the body, this is going to be put in the ground. I told Brother Jeremiah I had four funerals in, in the last eight or nine weeks. And some of them were good friends of mine. My, one of them was my best friend over in Vicksburg, Mississippi. And uh, when I told Brother Jeremiah on the phone that, uh, that Bobby had died, he knew Bobby from a little boy. He got saved at our church over in seminary. And he said, well, you know where he is. And so the Bible teaches us here, and you got to understand this as a child of God, that when we get saved, that we're born again by the power of God, and a part of God is deposited inside of us all day long in the Bible. Just think about that for a second. Incorruptible seed inside of you and I, and, and that, by the way, is what's going to go to heaven. This ain't going. Boy, we take good care of it, don't we? I'm like you. I like to get around, and I hate it when I got an ache somewhere or the other, but it ain't going to heaven. So what we do that born-again creature inside of us, born, by the, born again by the power of God, we've got to transition from the outward to the inward. Now, a lot of people never make this trip. They never figure out how to transition from this to what God birthed inside of us, that which is going to go to heaven, that which was born of incorruptible seed, but that's the task that's set before us. The Apostle Paul he said, I want to apprehend that for which I was apprehended for. And I believe the Bible bears out that God knew us before the foundation of the world. Before he made anything, he knew us. I mean, that's fantastic, isn't it? But that's what the Bible says. And the Bible says that, that God has a plan for all of us. We say a plan for all of us, but you can go detailed through the Bible and find that, that, that that's right and that's true for everybody. And Paul said, I want to apprehend that for which I was apprehended for. He says, I don't want anything to hold me back. I don't want this to hold me back. I don't want the world, the flesh, and the devil to hold me back. I want, listen, listen, I want everything that God saved me for. And I believe he got it because in the Mamertine prison, he, he said, I'm done. Just like Jesus. And so first off here tonight, understand that this hidden man of the heart that Peter is talking about in the wives is in Everybody that's born again. And it's that part which is not corruptible. I'd liken it into this. It's like what happened to Mary. It's like what happened to Mary. When the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. And Jesus was incarnated. Now that was a physical body. And God was incarnated into that physical form. You and I, when we got born again, is all spiritual. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. It was all spiritual. So that's what happened when you and I got saved. Second thing I want you to notice is the inner man, that which is inside of us. I think sometimes we're just not aware of what's going on inside here. Because we're too in touch with this out here on the outside. You know? And, and everybody's got to figure that out. The Bible has figured it out and laid it out for us. 
So the second thing we see here is that the inner man is given authority over the outer man. I like that, amen? Man, God don't leave anything to chance, does he? Paul was able to do what Paul did because he knew this. He says, I bring my body under subjection. He says, I, I ride herd. Oh, what's inside of me rides herd over what's outside of me. And so the second thing, the inner man gives, is given authority over the outer man. Galatians 5, 16. How many times you hear, how many times you read that? How many times uh, preachers quote it? But how many times we, just, we blow right over it? But it says, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And again, the lust of the flesh is the flesh itself. It's the world, the flesh, and the devil. And those are the three things that work together. I told my daughter one day, and I probably mentioned this before, but I told my daughter one day, and we're talking about the kids, and, you know, you, you know, everybody scratches their head with kids, and especially younger parents, and you say, well, you know, I do this, and I do this, and I do this, and, you know, it just ain't happening. And I told her one day, I said, your child was born a child of the devil. That sounds brutal, doesn't it? Born in the flesh, born lost, not yet accountable. You understand the word accountable? That means when you get old enough to be able to refuse Jesus Christ, that you can go right directly to hell if you die. It's a very serious situation. Amen? I mean, more serious than open heart surgery. And so the inner man is given authority over the outward man. And that's one of the greatest verses I know is we'll walk in the Spirit. That means we live in the Spirit of God we, we, we study to share ourselves approved. We learn to have fellowship with God. Some of my favorite times of the day is when I spend time with my wife. I used to be off to work, you know, years ago when I worked a job. And, and uh, you know, I was excited about my job and, and always had, you know, big things to build, you know, here in the southeast. And, and uh, I had to get to the job. I... Uh, being the superintendent and all this, and just, it was exciting. But you know, I really enjoy spending time with my wife. Sometimes we'll talk two or three hours before we get out of bed every morning. We fellowship. We'll both have our Bibles there. She'll have hers out, and I'll go downstairs and get a couple of cups of coffee and bring them back up uh, to the bedroom. We'll sit there and drink the coffee, and then we'll start talking about what's going on and, and what we need to do and who we need to pray for and and we, just, and we just fellowship together. And it's good. Walking in the Spirit is fellowshipping with God. Learning who God is. Learning what He did for us. Learning what we would have been without God. And then actually an intimate relationship with God to where, you know, there's nobody else around but it's us and God. But we're thinking about God and we're, we're I told my wife today, I said, you know, I'm really working on this walking in the spirit thing. And then in the middle of the day, he said, man, I just, you know, I kind of feel kind of groggy. You know, I just kind of feel like, you know, I'm, where did I walk out of the spirit at? You know, we got to keep our hands on the wheel going down the road and watch out for the other guy and all that kind of stuff. And, but it's something that you got to work on. And it's something that these guys, they had, they had down pat. They were, not, uh, they were not perfect. 
But that incorruptible seed that was in them is in you, or you are not saved. If you have not the Spirit of God, Christ, you are none of His. And I don't say that to embarrass you. I say that to enlighten you. So the inner man is given authority over the outer man. And this, is a, this, this walking in the Spirit is an exclusive lifestyle. Joseph said to Potiphar's wife, he says, How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? What was that in that man? It was God. How can I do this? Nobody will see. Nobody's around. Wait a minute. He's, he's fellowship in fellowship with God. And when you're in fellowship with God and, and, you're, and you've got a drinking problem and you drive by the liquor store, uh, you're going to pass right by the liquor store or, or the dope store, wherever that is. Or the, or the immoral thoughts that you got on the TV. You, uh, man, let me rip that thing out of the wall. Let me, hey, listen, I'm in fellowship with God. And you can say no to those things. And I know this doesn't happen overnight. We've got to work at it. Amen? First time I got on a bicycle, my brother put me on top of a hill. Them old hard tire bicycles. Anybody remember those? And uh, he was going to teach me to ride a bicycle. A little bitty old thing. I was a little bitty kid in California. Our driveway came up to the garage about like this. And, you know, in, in, the, in the neighborhood we lived in, had curb and gutter on both sides, sidewalks. And he said, okay, Jack, and he put me on that thing. And he said, when you get down there to the road, turn. And uh, I didn't realize what a big job it was just to get there. And, and I'm, so I'm on the bike trying to keep the bike up. And I completely forget I'm supposed to turn. And I hit the curb over on the other side. But you know what? The second time he did that, I remembered to turn. I made progress after I quit crying and uh, got my fenders straight on the bike and stuff like that. And, and so it's not something that happens overnight, but it's something that happens. It's something that needs to happen. It's something that can happen. And because of God is inside of us, it is there. Joseph said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Paul came to the, wrote the letter back to the church at Corinth. I mean, isn't it wonderful when people get saved? I mean, it's the greatest thing in the world. It's a miracle. It is a miracle when you get born again. I mean, there ought, to, uh, there ought to be some celebration going on like there is in heaven. Amen? I mean, it's wonderful. Paul said to the church, he said, you're yet carnal. All these people. The people from the bars and, 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 the, and the harlots and... And just whatever you got today on the streets was on the streets then. And all these men, isn't it wonderful? They got saved. Amen. They got saved. And, and there was probably some demoniacs in there and just all kind of nutballs. Amen. And uh, wanting to be Baptists and all this other stuff. And, and uh, he said, you're yet carnal because of envy and strife and division. So you see, that's the outward man. That's the outward man. And we've got to learn to throw that man off. I don't know about you, but it takes just about that much to make me mad. You know, I, I, you know at my age, you learn to hide it, right? You smile, and, you, and, and my face turns red and gives me away every time. My wife said, honey, I, you did a good job. You, you kept your cool, but did you know how red your face got? And, fellas, I want to tell you, especially when it has to do with a woman. I, I know I'm out of bounds here. But, you know, when a woman, <laughs> I married one, amen. I'm glad God made them, aren't you? And so, 
the inner man is given authority over the outer man. And I'm going to spend a moment or two here, so hang with me. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4, the Bible says, You're of God. You're of God, little children, and have overcome them. Overcome what? The world, the flesh, and the devil. He's going back to Antichrist, not the Antichrist, but the, but the Antichrist system in the world. People that are against God. And they're everywhere today. But God's still God, right? I think we got it better off than the Apostle Paul had it and Jesus had it when they came into this world. I believe that we got it way better. We got a better opportunity to do things, but I don't know if there's going to be enough time to do anything. But that's, that's God's business, not mine. Thank the Lord. He's in, he's in charge of all that. But it says here that we've overcome them. Why? Because greater, listen to it, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. How many times you heard that? How many times did it mean anything at all to you? Besides, boy, that sure sounds good. That's kind of like sticking the gas nozzle in your, in your car and, and you never grab the handle. You know, you've got, you you got to grab the handle to pump gas through the hose, right? Well, the Bible says God right here, if he didn't say it anywhere else, but he said it all, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Who is that? That's God. Seriously, amen. Turn to Ephesians chapter 3, please. Boy, God's worth getting serious about, isn't he? Amen. I tell you what, if, if I ever found out that I was... And I, I couldn't really tell a diamond from a rock or something like that. But if I found out I was playing marbles with diamonds, buddy, I'd want somebody to tell me, how about you? And I'd go just as fast as I could to a diamond dealer or a jewelry store and I'd cash them in, brother, right? Amen? Ephesians chapter 3 and, and verse 16, it says, That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. You know what a grant is? That's something you don't pay back. That's free. And that's what salvation is, free. Now, God's got to deal with your heart. Nobody gets saved without the Holy Spirit. Just praying a prayer doesn't do it. The Holy Spirit of God has got to come into your heart and convict you of sin. And you've got to be honest with God. I know I'm a sinner. And I believe Jesus is the Savior. God allows us to believe that. And that's where the power of God is and through the Holy Spirit. It's so very important. It's that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory. You know what that means? It means God's got the fattest checkbook there ever was. According to His riches and glory. Where's your stuff at in the bank? Your bank could crash tomorrow. Hey, you know the government could, well, probably going to crash before the bank does. The way it's going, and that's the one that's guaranteeing your money in the bank. I bet there's a lot of people putting their money in socks and sticking them in jars uh, under a stump or something like that. And so it says here that, uh, that it, he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. There's never been a Christian failure for the lack of God's power. I'll say it again. There's never been a Christian failure for the lack of God's power. If you're saved tonight and you fail, it's not because God failed you. Because we fail God. Now we know there, there's not perfection down here. 
But you know what? I wash the dishes for my wife sometimes. I actually wash them. I mean, I stick them out of the water. I get the water hot. I put that soap on that scouring pad and some of that, some of that stuff sit there dried on the plate. You know how it is? And you got to put some of this in there and you got to rub it. And you look at it and then I put it underneath there and I, and I rinse it off. And I look at it and I said, did I get it all? And, and sometimes I have to take my finger with my fingernail and scratch it. Oh, there's a piece. I'll scrub that baby again. You know why? Because I'm going to use that plate again. And I want to eat on a clean plate. And that's the way it is with us. By the washing of the water of the word. And that puts us in a continual fellowship process with God through the Holy Spirit. And, we, and, and, and when we leave the church house, hey, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to go home tonight and not even turn the TV on. Or whatever it is that distracts us and we have fellowship and joy with more than we do God. I mean, it's, at, 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 some, at some point, hey, at some point we've got to say goodbye to this world. Really? Or this world is going to handicap us in this life and we'll never know what a real relationship with God is. I've never read about anybody that walked on water except Jesus and Peter. But if the application applied itself somewhere in my life, I'd sure like to be able to if I needed to. Amen? So it's, it's a progressive thing. There's never been a Christian failure for the lack of God's power. Finish that verse 316. It says that ye would, he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Watch this. To be strengthened with might. You know what might is? Might's power. When we used to build when the boys were little. And uh, we didn't use two pound sledgehammers. We didn't use four pound sledgehammers. We used eight and ten pound sledgehammers. And when you got good enough to bring that around over the top of your shoulders and hit the top of a stake consistently, buddy, it went in the ground a little bit every time that you hit it. That's power. That's might. And so to be strengthened with might by his power in the inner man, that's what we're talking about tonight, that hidden man of the heart. Man, there's some stuff in there. I mean, glory to God. There was a funeral today, and I didn't make it. I went by and saw it was one of my neighbors. And this man was uh, he's 84 years old. I was able to stand up and look at his grown son there, about 40 years old, and I said, your dad was a good man. Because he was. And he was one of about seven or eight brothers. And his wife stood there, and, and I told her my wife was sick, and I wasn't going to be able to come to the funeral. And... Uh, Talked to her a few minutes, and she said, can I hug you? Are you afraid? I said, no, ma'am. I said, I didn't know how you were. <laughs> and she said, my husband, he got so bad with dementia, he didn't know who he was. And he said he didn't know who I was or who, who he was. He can still talk. His mind still worked where he could communicate. His eyes worked. He looked at it. He didn't know who she was. Had to ask who she was. And he asked her who he was. But you know what she told me? She said, I, he, she said, he told me, I don't know who you are and I don't know who I am, but I know who Jesus is. 
would you like that to be you? We don't know what we're going to face. But I'm just saying, what am I, why did I give you that for? God inside of us. And a lot of people are facing that medical condition right now. So there's never been a Christian failure for the lack of God's power to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. Isn't that wonderful? I just didn't like anybody but myself. I love my wife a little bit now. No, I love her a whole lot. She's the best thing in, the, in this world that's ever happened to me. But that verse, rooted and grounded in love, because God loves us, is why we can be saved today. You know what the greatest thing you can do? And getting close to God and walking in the Spirit is love people. I'm serious, heart that. Forget about yourself and love people. I have read that, brother, so many times, and I just, it just, you know how stuff just jumps out to you? They don't jump out, nobody else jumps out to you. You know what that is? That's God. That's the Holy Spirit of God. John 14, 26. I mean, that's God saying, hey, you, you need that. I brought emphasis to your heart and to your mind, and you need that. And all through 1 John, love and loving one another and all that stuff. And I said, man. I said, there's the key. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye be in rooting ground in love. Verse 18, may be able to comprehend. That's our mind working and wrapping around this thing. Amen? You know, there's some things. I told my son uh, when I saw him last year, and he showed me a picture on his phone when he came down a couple weeks ago, the one that works on airplanes. And he showed me a picture of a turbine, a piece of a turbine, a piece of a, uh, a turbine jet engine. You know, it's kind of, it, it, it's almost a full jet engine, uh, turboprop. There it is. I got it out. <laughs> And he showed me a thing up inside there about that big around. And he told me some metal was made out of I think it came from Krypton or somewhere. And uh, so back, he said, Dad, he said, you know what that costs? I said, no, son, how much does that cost? He said, that one little thing is $100,000. When he showed it to me originally over there in Monroe, Louisiana, I said, son, you better put that thing down before you drop it. I don't want to get near anything that costs that much money. I'm liable to pass out and fall over on it and hit it. But it says it. He understands how to put that stuff together. I still, in high school, I, how in the world does a jet engine run? I don't know, but they run every day. And he was showing me the pieces. God says it may be able to comprehend with all the saints, understand the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you may be filled. You know what that means? God wants us to be filled. Now, I want to tell you, I, for a long time, that was scary to me. You know, you know why? Being so in love with myself, I don't want to do what I want to do. So I just want to give God a little bit of me. Well, you know how much God I got? I got a little bit back. It takes, God wants us to have the fullness of himself in us so we can realize the level of God wants us to be at in fellowship with him, but also the power of God in our life, amen, to train our kids. 
to be able to help our neighbors. And with things that are going on today, I mean, it takes a lot just to explain to people, you know, what's up and what's down. I mean, people are sideways today. They only know what's up and what's down, right? And so the Bible teaches us here about this, that the inner man has been given authority over the outer man. Able to do, verse 20, able to, able to him that is able to do exceedingly above, abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. That's the power that worketh in us. Amen? I see people that's had open heart surgery, man, and they'll, I'll see a big wound down here, and I say, wow, how does that doctor do that? Go in there. Man, I'd be scared to death to, to even cut on somebody, let alone go in there and, and take something out of their legs and put it up from here to there. And it, it's, it, it's, 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 it's like a miracle of God that God allowed men to comprehend that, to be able to do that. And so it says that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. It's in there. And I want to tell you something, friend. I don't know what you're going through or what you've been through or what you go through next week, but I want to tell you, God knows all about it. And God may not fix it the way you want it fixed, but God can fix it the way he wants it fixed. Amen, I like that. we got to learn to take orders, right? And we get them out of this book. And finally it says, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I'm a part of that world without end, all ages. Amen. Uh, I'm not just going. I'm going to be there when I get there. Somebody asked the other day, he says, uh, you, th- uh, you, you think people will know one another in heaven? I, and and uh, I remember reading D.L. Moody says, I don't, he, he said, I don't expect it. When he was asked that question, I don't expect to be a bigger idiot in heaven than I am down here. The Bible says we'll know us, we're known, amen? I mean, God ain't saving us to be a bunch of stooges when we get to heaven. And I don't mean to to be disrespectful when I say that, but let's give God some credit tonight. And then finally, so we see that we're born into existence by the power of God. And we see that God gives that part of himself, that incorruptible seed inside of us, the inner man is given authority over the outer man. And then finally, I want to take you back to this text. Verse 1 and verse 7, there's, two, there's one word in both of them at the, at the head of the heading there. It says, likewise. This water's going to run out before the sermon does. That word, likewise. Verse 1 and verse 7. Likewise, ye wives. Verse 7, likewise, ye husband. We all understand that the word likewise is pointing back to what has been previously said. We can we agree with that. Amen. Likewise, it, what's been previously been said. That's not hard to figure out. Verse 1, chapter 3. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husband. It points back to verse 18. And verse 18 says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the frowward. Verse 19. For this is thankworthy if a man... This is Chapter 2 now, if you've, if you've uh, lost track, you've got to listen fast. If a man for conscience sake towards God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. Notice that. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience sake, for conscience towards God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. Verse 20. For what glory is it? What glory is it if when you're buffeted for your faults you take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently This is acceptable with God. For even hereto were ye called to suffer 
when we're doing right. To suffer wrong when we're doing right. Here he is, uh, Peter, uh, as moved by the Holy Spirit to write. He's talking about, he's talking about this wife. He's talking about this woman. Uh, she does, she's not married to a very nice man. And, and, and the man has problems. I don't know what all kind of problems he has, but he's not very nice to his wife. And it's hard for her uh, to get along with him. And probably if she lived in modern times, she'd just give him the high-ho and call a divorce lawyer. Uh, but, but God says here, he says, look back here to what a servant is. Look back to what a servant is. The servant is subject to the master. For hereunto were ye called. I got saved because God called me. I don't know how you got saved if you got saved tonight. But God burdened my heart. And, and I wanted to go the other way. But the Holy Spirit of God got in there and showed me what the punishment of my sin would be in my heart, my mind. And I feared and I was afraid. And then God showed me that I could be saved because of what Jesus did. And buddy, after that, when God made it clear and I knew that that was something there, not me. It wasn't my mama telling me that, my daddy telling me that. I got bits and pieces from the preacher, but that was the Holy Spirit of God. And buddy, I got saved. I said, I want that. And buddy, I want to tell you, there's some stuff going on inside my heart that never gone on inside my heart before. It made me uh, want to do things I'd never done before. Good things. So, something for somebody else and then uh, besides for me. And I knew that there was something there. And it was God. So these verses are telling us here, talking about this wife and, and, and got a sorry, rotten husband. He may beat up on the kids. He may have foul language. And God says, listen, uh, likewise, like the servant, like the servant, for hereunto were ye called because Christ also suffered, leaving us an example that ye should be follow his steps. I gave you all that to get to this. We see here the power of God unleashed in this woman's life by submitting to God. I want to tell you something. You ever want to do a cartwheel? That's when you, you do one over that. I know you've heard stories from preachers that uh, uh, we've got a few in our family that, that folks, had, uh, wives that, and the ministries over the years, and, and I can could, I could name two or three of them where God did that. A wife come and say, you know, Brother Jack, uh, over the years and say, you know, my husband, I wish my husband would come to church. I wish my husband would get saved. And I'd tell him, I said, listen, you need, listen, here's what you do. Here's what God says to do, amen. I didn't send her to a psychiatrist. Hey, I didn't send her to a, a, uh, a therapist that gets $50 an hour. I said, here is what God, your creator, says to, for you to do. Here's what the God that lives inside of you says to do. Says, hey, you need to be the best wife you can be. Some of you dear ladies out there, I imagine you could take exception to what I just said. And I'm sorry for maybe a burden that you have bared in the past or maybe one you may be bearing right now or one you may be bearing in the future. But the God of everything says, little lady, I want to tell you something. I want to show you how to have the power of God in your life. To be a witness to your husband. The power of God in your life to be a witness to your husband. You'll win him. I want to tell you there's been few that followed that advice. 
I want to tell you, that's hard advice. Some of you ladies right now are thinking about it. I'm just telling you. I, I don't mean no disrespect to you, to your person. That's hard. You know how hard it was for Jesus to get slapped in the mouth? You know what? He felt the pain in his body. The Romans were not compelled by Jewish law to stop at 39 licks. You know how painful that was? You know how painful that had to be personally for Jesus, the God-man? I came to die for you. And you wouldn't receive me. I came into my own people. And you wouldn't receive me. Well, the Bible says we're called. This nice looking young man right here. He can't do a thing in the world about me being his daddy. He's just hoping when he gets my age, he looks better than I do. <laughs> his wife does too, I'm sure. Because he's an Andrews. He can change his name, but he can't change the DNA in his blood, right? And you and I, when we get saved, we are called of God. And this book applies to us. And so, God says, wives, I want you to look back to the servants. God says, husbands, I want you to look back to the wives that are following this example, this woman right here. So we see the power of God unleashed in this woman's life by submitting to God. I mentioned to Brother Jeremiah, we have a chat once in a while. It's always in a hurry. And I told him about this that I've been studying and how God had spoke to my heart. And I call it subjection and adversity. Got any adversity? I've sat right here and listened to this man preach. And adversity would build right here. So what was he preaching? I can't remember. But my flesh didn't like it. You know what I had to do? I had to ask myself, why is my heart beginning to race a little bit? Is it him? Is it the Bible? Or is it me? You know what I found out? Here's the Holy Spirit of God being gracious and said, you know what? There's that verse. <laughs> and I'm indicted. You know what I do? God, help me. God, you've exposed it. Now, God, help me to get rid of it. Because I can't get to the next spot without getting rid of that. So we see the power of God unleashed in this woman's life by submitting to God. Subjection and authority. And I want to tell you something. You want to be a witness to somebody on your workplace? You want to be a witness to your school you go to? I don't see any kids there. I guess they're all upstairs. You want to be a witness to somebody? Take being wronged and have a good attitude about it. Aaron, who we're called. Jesus is our example. Now, I'm talking like this woman, like she's a real woman. But you know what? I bet there has been some that has done just that. I'm not, and I, listen, I'm, I'm going to leave it right there. Thank God there's a pastor, amen, that's willing to talk and counsel. There ought to be other people in this church that's been through rough scrapes. Grandparents, parents, 
that might be able to shed something. I think it's good when kids will go there, if they got some godly parents, just say, Mom and Dad, what do you think? Amen. Somebody's been doing life twice as long as you have. So notice the power of God unleashed in this woman's life. The Bible is preached in how we live our life from the inside to the outside. And again, it points back. The wife is pointed back to the servant. And the husband here is pointed back to the wife. Now, don't tangle all that up in your mind. What's it all about? It's all about subjection. Subjection to God. Jesus went to the cross, suffered wrongfully. He was under subjection to the Father. He had to do it. He's our example. I want to tell you, it's, it's, it's likely one of the hardest things that we'll ever do. But there's a witness in it. Now, I know there's details that six ways from Sunday and all. I, I got that. But I want to tell you, you can't tear this out of the Bible. It's there. Have you ever, ever asked anybody, said, you know, how, how'd you do that? Every time I see my wife get stuck or poked or cut and I see blood, I'm out. I used to be a big-time deer hunter. Man, I'd slice them up, cut them up, and my little girl would be right there with me, helping me back, way back, and man, I'd... I'd I go out. <laughs> I bleed to death by seeing my own blood. And I see all that stuff they do to my wife, and they poke her, and they stick her, and in a couple of weeks, they're going to cut a chunk of her artery out, surgery to cut a piece out to try to identify what's going on with her. Another day at the office for her. And boy, I want to tell you, I'm impressed. And I'm impressed by her faith. I'm impressed by her God. And so the whole gist of the message was to understand and realize that God lives in here. Incorruptible seed. You know what that means? That means we can straighten this stuff out. No matter what it is. We don't understand. There ain't no cure for this. Well, hey, uh, maybe that's so, and maybe it's not God's will to heal. There's nobody that can guarantee you that except God. But if that's your mission in life, to take it. Like my neighbor did, says, you know what, honey, I, well, he didn't call her, I don't know who you are, and I don't know who I am, but I want to tell you something. I know who Jesus is. If you're saved tonight, you got that. If you're saved, it's meant you've been called by God himself to be saved, to be born again. And then secondly, it means that the suffering that we see today, it's almost like everybody needs a babysitter today. I don't, mean, I don't say that to be mean. My wife, she just goes on. Her mother was like that. She's helping me to just go on. I wonder tonight, realizing what's inside of us, realizing what God is capable of, Realizing that there's no limits on God's power. Knowing all that, I wonder what God may want to do with our lives tonight. In the department of submission and adversity.
Don't tell how bad we're being treated. Just say, boy, ain't God good. Ain't God good. Let's pray.